0: I think even taking a bigger picture view on it, we want to learn about each other's cultures. We think that's interesting. You should always try to expose yourself to different cultures if you can. And we want to have kids one day and we want them to to know about both our cultures. And so we've got to kind of live that ourselves, right? If we're going to pass that on.
1: welcome to this month's episode of the Business of Weddings podcast with Now To Vow, hosted by me, Mira. On today's episode, we are going to be looking at the rise in interfaith weddings and looking at what an interfaith wedding actually means so that we as suppliers can ensure that we deliver what couples are looking for. I'm really excited about this because, in addition to being a bridal coach and wedding author, I actually specialise in planning and coordinating fusion weddings, and so not only have I seen a lot of cross-cultural weddings take place, but I've been rather instrumental in planning them. You'll be hearing snippets of conversations I had with four lovely guests, David Baker, who is the Managing Director of Higher Love, an interior styling company specialising in celebrations, Jackie Tilliard, who works as a wedding celebrant, and Mel and Abs, a bride and groom I'm personally working with, who actually start things off for us.
0: My family is from Jaipur, Rajasthan, uh, North Indian, Big flair weddings, massive, um, massive palaces rented out and a lot of pressure put on the event with like minimum 500 guests most of the time. So, um, yeah, big traditional Hindu affair with a Rajasthani flavour.
1: Love that. And uh, Mel, how does that compare to like your cultural background and what your family might be expecting? Um, I think the big
2: element definitely reflects in my family. Like when my cousin got married, it was actually in Iran. So I'm Persian, um, and we're we're from Iran, but I'm first generation here. And really, the only big weddings I've been to had been back home and with kind of my older cousins and they would do hundreds of people it's a big white wedding um, and there's lots of alcohol lots of dancing lots of food and yeah just getting as many people from the extended family as possible so I definitely understood that element Um, but for us I guess having moved here we've almost adapted so the expectation wasn't that I needed to have that kind of wedding and actually my my family were very supportive if I decided to go down a smaller route and and sometimes when they've seen how, how stressed we can be about how big the wedding gets, they just say, why don't you just do something more intimate? So I think from our point of view, they're
1: very adaptable.
0: Yeah, small, small weddings was not an option for my culture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that in today's ever-changing world in particular, brides and grooms are extremely keen to stay true to their identity as individuals and their identity as a couple. And with culture being a big part of this, it's no wonder they're keen to incorporate certain traditional elements into their big day. In the past, we would typically see one culture taking precedent over the other. But nowadays, this is happening less and less because wedding planning itself is being seen as a partnership and not just the responsibility of one individual or one family. Let's now hear from Jackie, who as a celebrant gets to work with many interfaith couples and isn't tied down to any specific religion. The beauty of her job is that she can work with individuals to create celebrations that are personalised and open to an amalgamation of various different cultures and traditions.
3: It's interesting. So you, were, you were talking to me the other day about fusion wedding and it seems to be a little bit of a buzzword in the in the wedding celebrant market at the moment. So um, I certainly have been approached by a number of couples who come from different backgrounds, um, have different religious beliefs or maybe have different family um, beliefs uh, and uh, ethoses, and they want to blend them. Um, so I, you know, I have had inquiries because because I'm in Leicestershire. Obviously, I do get Indian couples come to me, um, but I've had a number of people that maybe you know they're marrying into another faith, or a person comes from a different country, and they want to incorporate both families into the ceremony.
0: I think that we're both very proud of our cultures. Yes, we are British. We consider ourselves British, but Mel is Persian and I am Indian. And we do want to incorporate that in our celebrations. Um, I think with Indian weddings, look, everyone knows about them. Everyone knows how big they are, um, how fabulous they are. And I think people also know a lot about Persian culture and how they like they really like to party. They like <laughs> to have a really good time. Um, so why not bring that together? Yeah. I think even taking a bigger picture view on it. We want to learn about each other's cultures. We think that's interesting. You should always try to expose yourself to different cultures if you can. And we want to have kids one day and we want them to to know about both our cultures. And so we've got to kind of live that ourselves, right? If we're going to pass that on. So that's the way we thought about it.
1: This whole idea about learning about different cultures is really important because it allows us to deep dive into what modern couples are thinking. It's a complete assumption on my part, but I believe if they're interested in learning about each other's cultures, then they probably want their family members to do the same, and therefore it makes sense for them to create an environment where both sets of families feel comfortable but are also getting to experience something new at the same time. So let's look at how we can really bring things together traditionally suppliers would have imagined the celebrations to be quite segregated perhaps one day for one culture and another day for the other culture but brides and grooms are really reaching for a way to merge the cultures and bring them together because that's how they operate as a couple and their wedding needs to be an extension of them but finding suppliers who really understand their vision isn't always easy and is perhaps something that is currently missing from the mainstream market.
2: I suppose we were inspired by the engagement party and it worked really well we went for kind of these Moroccan tents which were quite neutral very colourful and vibrant and we just asked everyone to dress colourfully and however they interpreted that so whether they wore their Indian outfits and went very traditional with saris or whether the, the Persians turned up in beautiful small bodycon dresses with their high heels like everyone was able to express themselves and nothing was right nothing was wrong it was just beautiful and I know everyone had a fabulous time so just creating that vibe and having all our family from different countries around the world just joined together together basically celebrating our love. I mean, I can't think of anything better. So I guess that that was the underpinning element that we knew that merging our cultures would work and that's the best way
1: to make sure everyone has the best time. This fusing of the cultures makes the event more memorable, but also more personal because it represents you in a way that a standard compartmentalised wedding just wouldn't be able to.
3: What might our ceremonies a little bit different for people is if you're going to have a traditional registrar um, come and do your wedding, they've got a set script that they have to read by law. With us, we tend to find out, we we have a meeting beforehand, we find out about the couple, what makes them tick, what's important to them, how did they meet, how did they know it was they were the one. And I craft their love story. So I always tell the couple's love story. Then we will um, encourage people to have, uh, audience participation, so if they've got brothers and sisters or re- relatives and friends that want to come up and say a few words or read something or sing something. We've had people performing with guitars and um, serenading a couple of the walks uh, back down the aisle in at some of the weddings I've done. Um, we can do all of that. So it's it's really about involving everybody
2: So for us, we always dreamed of having a bit more of a destination wedding. We're multicultural, we're fusion. No location seemed to represent us as as well as we would want to. So we thought a, a destination might be able to... Um, kind of support our ideas a bit better um, but actually we realised the UK is a more neutral territory for all our family to travel into and we live here so it's a lot more convenient so we found a beautiful location in the Cotswolds which is halfway from where both of us live like our families live and we planned a weekend um, basically starting from Saturday morning where we have our Persian ceremony in the evening. We have like a fusion Mahendi type evening um, with hopefully different types of foods, a bit more like a festival feel, trying to merge the two cultures, um, just in dance and a really fun time. And then the next day will be a bit more structured and the traditional Indian wedding. And hopefully that will satisfy
1: everyone and make everyone feel involved and included. It is quite possible to bring cultures together and someone who does this quite well is David from Higher Love. As a supplier already working with interfaith couples, he's aware of what they're looking for and how to successfully deliver such a product or service. So if you're someone who's looking to tap into this market or is working with such a couple, it's certainly worth taking a note of David's process.
4: I think it really helps to first of all discuss Um, with the clients first of all you can often naturally find who's taking the lead and then it's also very helpful if of an if another generation are involved such as parents or even grandparents their opinions really count so it's best to find out who's leading design-wise and style-wise and then make sure that things are being addressed i mean even if we were talking with a, a a couple who were getting married in england who weren't from traditional or interfaith backgrounds you still try and find out exactly who's leading the ideas and then ensure that you involve the other party. Often it's the bride leading the ideas and she even forgets to tell us what her groom's name is. And so we work really hard to make sure that we involve the other party. And if we understand that there's parents involvement as well, to bring those into discussions so that we can make sure that we are appealing to everybody, not forgetting any of the special elements. Because often with tradition, People don't fully understand them, so it's nice to consult an an elder or a friend of the family who understands the traditions.
2: I guess like the first person we linked up with was you Mira and you were exactly what we needed at the perfect time before we even started embarking on kind of coming up with exactly what we wanted in the wedding. I just knew that like I had a best friend. I had someone I could ask about the more Indian elements that potentially I'm not aware of and things that you know, Abza's family might assume that I know or should know, but I didn't know and I wasn't aware of. So I think just understanding their culture. And then we came up with our vision. So we're going for a bit of a boho, rustic, chic look. And that really complemented both some of the Indian elements and the Persian elements. So it really helped bring everything together.
4: It's actually fascinating for me. I want to know more about things. So it's um, very important for me to learn what the backgrounds are and the different things that are important. Um, there's certain elements to traditional weddings, whether they be English or Persian or Indian. And, and then again, if they're Hindu or if they're Sikh, there are, are lots of different things. So to me, it's fascinating. I love reading about it. I love understanding um, and to find first-hand knowledge from parents and grandparents is, is to me, exciting, actually. Uh, I love to bring those traditions alive.
1: I love that. You obviously have a very, like, strong USP, you know, you know what you're offering, it's very different in the market, and interfaith weddings and, you know, the kind of style and the approach that you have where you're trying to mix things up, I believe that there is a growing demand for this, and there are other suppliers currently in the industry who are, maybe not attracting as many interfaith couples as they would like because they're stuck in either the traditional weddings or the Indian weddings or they're doing one or the other. Do you have any advice for any of these suppliers as to how they can tap into this market?
4: Uh, Leave it to us. No, um, no. I I think that the 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 real important thing is to is to find that inspiration. The inspiration is out there, whether it's Pinterest or Google Images or whatever. There, there are people getting married in interfaith setups in places like Australia and uh, California, and their style is so so strong. And you can take inspiration from those things. You know, traditional weddings. Or traditionally the way that perhaps Indian suppliers perhaps might create a mandap, you know, perhaps it doesn't appeal to a more style savvy couple. It may appeal to their parents or their grandparents because that's the way it's always been done. But what we find is that people want something new and something different. And I think if it was advice to to suppliers as to how to get with the program, it really is to get inspired by something overseas. But I think from from a personal point of view, nobody quite does what we do anyway. So it wouldn't matter if they created a rustic wooden mandat or a carved swing from Bangladesh. It really won't matter if they can't put the whole appeal together in the eclectic way that we do. So it's not always about having the tools. It's how you put them together.
1: Now let's have a look at what can be created once you've got an idea of what the couple are actually looking for. Let's hear from both David and Jackie.
4: Uh, Style-wise, again, we look to traditions and then look to adapt that to create something new. So whether that's making a rustic wooden mandap, and this could be perhaps in the style of perhaps some of the more modern Australian or American weddings, where they've got this rustic vineyard feel to them and yet um, it's an Indian-Persian wedding sort of thing. So it's, it's taking the inspiration from from other countries that are already perhaps leading um, as far as a more relaxed style is concerned.
3: The last one I actually did was um, in, in Leicester before we went into a mega, mega lockdown, and the poor couple had had so many changes to their plans. Um, they were due to marry abroad, and that got cancelled. Then they said, oh, we're going to marry at a registered licensed venue. And then the numbers got cut back. So they had to find somewhere a little bit more intimate. And we ended up doing a wedding for their friends one week. And they had the registry office ceremony for their family the following week. But, you know, we can do anything in, in a ceremony. So we had um, Ganesh uh, elephant art down the aisles and the, and the mandate at the top. And we had a beautiful little puppy dog as the page boy with rap music. So anything is possible. So we went for traditional wording. I did ask the couple if they wanted to make their own vows up and they said, we'll leave it to you. Um, We read poetry. Um, We had the dog coming in in with his little sticky bow tie, so cute. Um, We had rap music played. Um, We had um, an Indian feast at the end of it to take in a takeaway box. We couldn't stay for eating it.
4: What we try to do is give it, that sort of higher love twist which often is means mixing things up a little bit so bringing in textures and um colors that perhaps you wouldn't expect um but often a nod to traditions um a lot of the furniture that we collect again is, is is very eclectic from chateau furniture through to traditional Indian chapati rollers or you know what we we bring together we then mix up and create what we feel is a new dish from those elements.
1: These are just some examples but I can tell you firsthand that fusion weddings are so much fun because they give you a chance to get creative and actually create something that is different but so beautiful at the same time. For example. I have one couple who are looking to have an entrance on a horse with a barat for their civil ceremony because the Indian bride wants her English groom and his family to experience that moment. I had another bride who walked down the Indian wedding aisle with a bouquet of flowers and threw them for her bridesmaids to catch as she got to the bottom. Another bride opted to have an English band sing for her father of the bride dance at an Indian reception And another groom actually opted to wear a tux for his Indian wedding. These are all small examples of how couples are mixing elements from different cultures to create a wedding that means something more to them. And as we know, the demand is certainly there. So if suppliers can get on board and embrace this, they can help create something magical, which sets the tone for the couple's new life together. And after all, if such weddings are on the rise then it makes financial sense to do so too.
4: We have been doing more interfaith couples. We've sort of got a bit of a reputation for it now, Um, though our approach like everything we do in events is a little bit different perhaps so it's only going to appeal to to perhaps a newer generation of interfaith couples because although we we nod to the traditions and we make sure that any traditions that need to be upheld are upheld i think it's trying to take a fresh approach with things
0: the few weddings that I have been to have generally been a fusion of cultures. And you're seeing more and more people from different backgrounds end up together. And I think that's great. And I think living in London, which is my bubble, um, people are uh, in London from all over the world. So I do think, yes, going forwards, the future is more fusion weddings. Some of my friends who are in relationships are in relationships with people from other backgrounds. So I do think they're the future. I think trying to bring cultures together and learn about other cultures is really important. And it's becoming ever- Ever more important in our world. This episode was brought to you by Now to Vow. We make it easy for couples to find and book suppliers for their Indian wedding. If you're in the industry, you can list your service on our platform at no cost. Head over to nowtovow.co.uk to get started. The Business of Weddings is a monthly podcast. We preview the episodes on Instagram Live on the third Friday of every month. Follow us at now underscore two, underscore vow and join the discussion subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes before anyone else and if you've enjoyed listening to it please leave us a review so we can reach more people see you next month